Welcome to the Maris Review. I'm Maris Kreisman, and it is a delight to be joined today by Stephen Grand Jones. He's the New York Times bestselling author of The Only Good Indians. He's been an NEA fellowship recipient and been recipient of several awards, including the Ray Bradbury Award from the LA Times, the Bram Stoker Award, and the Shirley Jackson Award. His latest novel is called My Heart is a Chainsaw. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Stephen, you've written slasher novels before. Mm -hmm. What keeps you coming back? You know, I, li I like the idea in a, like a slasher proposes a, a fair world. The slasher mm -hmm. believes in a space where if you do wrong, you're getting punished. And it's not, it's not necessarily um, an eye for an eye. Sometimes like in, what is it, Friday the 13th, part six, you can throw a bottle over your shoulder. You can be a litter bug and get your head chopped off. That doesn't seem quite <laughs> fair, you know? So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's an ideal space to live in, but that that feeling that everything is going to be fair is, I think, something that we lack in our world. And I, that's probably why I come back to it time and again. Yeah, and there's there are so many rules, which seems like a really good mm -hmm. guide in terms of writing and then thinking about ways to subvert them is also... yeah. Yeah, then you know a lot of people um, they claim not to be invested in the slasher because they feel like they know the formula because there are you know there's just bam 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 you gotta do this 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 and this with this person that person that this killer that point of view and it people feel like it's got it's tired it's got fatigue it's got genre fatigue but I don't think it does I think the tighter the constrictions the the better you have to dance to make it a good story you know. And that's what you do in this novel. Um, tell me about the character of Jade. And first of all, um, so she's 17 years old, mm -hmm. self-taught slasher genius. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell me about her education and her aesthetic maybe overall. Yeah, her education. Well, I mean, the reason she um, insulates herself in slashers is because it's cold out here on the periphery. That's where she's on the outside of her family, outside of her high school, outside of her community. She really has no place she belongs. So she latches on to slashers because she sees a distinct lack of justice in her life and slashers dispense justice. Um, but yeah, she is self-taught. And I think her education has been largely with bootleg VHS tapes or you know, <laughs> download, downloaded files off illicit sites. And she, she's also lived until deep in the morning uh, on bulletin boards with like-minded people who discuss the minutia and the trivia and the theories and all that. And so I never want to equate a character with an author, but tell me mm -hmm. about your own education and what you wanted uh, Jade to know. Yeah, I mean, I, I came up, I fell in love with the slasher myself in eighth grade. Jay, Jay fell in love with it in the sixth grade. That's, I mean, so that that's my big stab to make us different, you know? <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I would like Jade. I was a custodian. I was a night janitor in high school for a while. Um, I was the only, like, um, native dude for miles and miles around. The only one is, only one I knew of pretty much altogether in West Texas, except for my dad was coming through. And yeah, Jay just, she, she sees the world, like I say, she insulates herself in slashers, but when you do that, they also become your goggles that you use to interpret every interaction and see the world, you know, so Jade um, comes off as somewhat untrustworthy because it's kind of unlikely that every single interaction actually pertains to a slasher movie, you know, but, um, but she thinks it does. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes she's right. Sometimes she's right. That's the whole, mm -hmm. yeah. Tell me about jade's overall aesthetic though like tell me about um 
she's not only into horror. She loves yeah. Motley Crue. She knows yeah. all about film. Like even like a, a random um, Big Lebowski reference in the middle of everything. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about that. I suspect that um, that she has come across all those tidbits of trivia on those bulletin boards. Mm. I, I, doubt, I doubt if she went out and sought um, the Big Lebowski out herself. And I think she mentions Greece at one point and maybe mm-hmm. even Breakfast maybe even Breakfast Club. Um, I doubt if those were must-sees for Jade, but I think because she was hanging out with online with slasher people and those slasher people were of a certain age, it's not her age, they were probably 20 years older than her. Sure. Um, so they had a different like set of cultural reference. reference. And um, I think that's how she probably got those. As for her aesthetic, yeah, it's, it's combat boots, thick eyeliner, concert t-shirts, t-shirts that say stay away basically. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a good get up um, if you mm-hmm. don't want to make friends. <laughs> um, tell me about Jade as a teacher because she um, takes everything she knows about slashers and then first instructs her teacher, Mister Holmes, and then later um, tries to instruct Letha, the new girl at school. Yeah, I feel like with, with, yeah. Jade, Jade writes those extra credit papers for her history teacher, the Slasher 101s, in which she tries to map out the complete tech slasher for, for this guy who has no interest in slashers whatsoever. <laughs> and, and then she tries to train Letha to be the final girl. Letha is similarly not interested in slashers. But um, I feel like Jade, like basically what she's doing is she's, I mean, she's passionate on culture. She's passionate on slasher culture. And I, I think her... Um, her like non-articulated desire there is probably to foster some sense of community around her because she has no community. You know, if she, if she can convert people to be as crazy about slashers as she can, then she won't feel so alone, which the, those first three construction workers that she encounters early in the novel, that's what she does to them. She's like, come to my, come over to my side of the fence. It's pretty <laughs> nice over here, you know? Yeah. Um... And one of the the main rules about slashers conveyed by you and Jade is that it, it seems like they give kids agency. They're betting they're to be trusted. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. are the ones in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the slasher grew up in the golden age, and that was the '80s. And in the '80s. It, you you kind of knew if you're at the park and somebody was picking on you, it was up to you to deal with this. I'm, I'm not saying fight them. You might be get away from them or it might be go get help or whatever it is. But um, it wasn't about, I'm going to call the police. I'm going to call my parents. You, that wasn't the first option. Your parents were at work and you didn't have a cell phone. So you were on your own. And I think that the slashers of the time, like um, they modeled good behavior for how to push back against bullies and they, they still do really. But, um, but yes, the, you, you, you learn really quickly in the slasher that your parents and the police officers are generally no help at all. Cause nobody believes that this is really happening. Nobody believes that you're being stalked and, and all, but um, if, if, I mean, which is kind of good because if, if the police officers believed this, these kids great crazy theories about Freddie or whatever, then the story's <laughs> over. You know, we want the story yeah. to keep going. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so interested in, you, you, you do a great author's note or part of the acknowledgements at the end 
um, in which you talk about your own love of Freddie. Um, but it, it does seem like for someone who didn't grow up as a slasher fan, mm -hmm. it seems like a big ask mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to, to look to gory, violent movies to, to find thrills. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I've heard from a lot of people since, since my heart is a chainsaw came out who tell me they watch horror movies to go to sleep at night, you know, and, um, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. That would, that would get me my adrenaline going and I couldn't go to sleep. But um, I think there is something comforting in horror and specifically in slashers really, because they always end, you know, and, and to, <laughs> to process, process through a story that has an ending is kind of nice, you know, because our day-to-day -day lives are whatever battles we're fighting, whatever horrors we're enduring, feels like it's just ongoing and growing. It's a snowball. It gets bigger and bigger and it's never going to hit the bottom of the mountain, but um, horror stories, slasher stories, they go over and that's, that's pretty comforting. That, that is, and, and, and I wish I had been able to see it then when my <laughs> brothers would tell me that they would hold my eyes open and make me watch Friday the 13th part two. Um, and then of course, and we've talked about this a little bit, but, mm. and, and you've written a lot about this even before, is that mm. the symbolism of the final girl is like, it's one of the most hopeful, um ideas uh the in film i would say and then in, in genre yeah i mean the the final girl she's always the underdog she's always far outmatched by this slasher whether it's jason freddie michael ghostface or ghostface plural whoever it is um she's basically just a high school student or a beginning college student with no tactical training you know um <laughs> and yet she is put in a position where she has to somehow find it within herself to not just survive but overcome and mm -hmm. that is that's just such a good model for all of us and you know with my heart as a chainsaw i was you know from watching and reading slashers for so long i got, i kind of got suspicious that the final girl was becoming such a um, she was becoming an impossible ideal. She was becoming mm -hmm. someone that we, we couldn't see ourselves as, because how can you be as perfect and shining and smart and compassionate and beautiful and athletic and all that stuff as a final girl? With my heart as a chainsaw, I wanted to propose the idea that it's not about what is on your outside that makes you a final girl. It's about what you got in your heart, what you got inside you, um, how much you're going to insist upon yourself, you know? Yeah, and, and Jade, as you mentioned, um, is feels very much comfortable in the role of observer, <laughs> watcher, yeah, teacher, yeah, yeah, or commentator. She she feels like Randy from Scream. She's the one who knows the yeah. rules, but I think she feels that since she knows the rules, she's kind of outside the rules. You know, uh, she can skate along the periphery, but because the periphery is where she's always been. But it turns out that um, the real world and movie world don't adhere to the same set of constrictions you know oh, no um tell me about the fact that jade has a phone and it, it can change the story in ways that um we certainly couldn't in the 80s yeah i mean so many horror stories you see and specifically slashers actually will often they try to set themselves before you know 98 or so um 
when cell phones were a lot less prevalent because it, the, the feeling is that if you have a cell phone, you're never actually isolated, you're never alone. Um, but, you know, I think we should just take Scream's model and mm-hmm. weaponize the cell phone, you know? Um, yes. Yeah, so so yes, Jade has a, a cell phone and it does lose battery at one point and she, she is in one place where there's no signal, but um, those aren't necessarily in times of jeopardy, they're just times of anxiety for her. Um, but, I think we should use te- I think we should use technology that that's a way that horror can talk about the world we live in it, 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 it's a lot better than proposing a world in which um, we don't all live with this technology you know yeah yeah and um, yeah there's enough to be horrified about yeah. in the age of cell phones don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you wanna treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash Maris right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash Maris, therabody.com slash Maris. Tell me about Jade's fixation on Letha. Um, Letha comes towards the end of school and she's, well, as you said, maybe she's perfect. Uh Yeah. I mean, so at that point in the story and really for most of the story, Jade has kind of been brainwashed by the slasher to think that the final girl is all exterior. It's everything you can see in some way, somebody doing Aletha Mondragon slow motion walk down the science hall, you know, with her <laughs> impossible, impossible hair billowing behind her and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so Jade invests all of her hope in Letha. Letha being to her a final girl. That's of course where she puts her hope and she tries to train her into a final girl. And as I was saying, Letha's not even remotely, inter- not remotely interested in this. Um, and what I wanted to do with Letha was I didn't want to like break her down and show that this final girl is like false that she is not cut out to be a final girl I think Letha has I mean just because she has all these outward characteristics doesn't mean she doesn't have it inside as well you know I think you can have both actually and I think Jade recognizes that and she she you know Jade being so alone she wants a friend like any friend she has is going to be her best friend and I think she probably also has sort of a crush on Letha at the same time and um so it just kind of all balls up into Jade's awkward um you know word vomit of please be the final girl you know <laughs> <laughs> um Jade refers to herself as an Indian mm-hmm. 
and that I'm, that's not the first time you have done this in, in yeah. your writing. Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I wonder if that's really Jade's or it's me because I grew up mm -hmm. Indian. So it's hard, it's hard for me to be indigenous or native or all the other, you know, various race terms that we, we throw around. Um, and I think that Jade, the only really, the only real model she has is her dad. And her dad is probably about of the same generation as I was. And he grew up far from, you know, the reserve, far from the, the reservation. And I suspect that he would use the same terminology I would use. And then Jade wouldn't know anything different. So she would use Indian. I don't think myself, I don't think Indian is a broken term necessarily. I know that, you know, people always say that it's inaccurate, that, you know, this was not India that Christopher Columbus, you know, mm -hmm. scraped up onto. And and I've actually heard people try to revision it and say it, it wasn't because of India. It was because he was saying in Dios, like in God. But I don't know if I, I, don't, I don't think I quite buy that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't, you know, Jade, Jade is not really worried about political correctness either. So I think even if Jade had been, um, you know, chided into using more neutral terms i think she would probably still land on indian mm -hmm. and yeah. and and then of course um the the town where she has grown up is so full of different tropes that that um help frame the idea of her as yeah. an indian um and and yeah. and tell me about developing the town versus the camp camp mm -hmm. blood mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's yeah, there's proof rock on one side of indian lake and halfway around there's camp blood the old summer camp you know what is it nine cabins that there was a lot of kid death there one summer 50 years ago and then directly <laughs> directly across the lake from proof rock is terra nova which used to be national forest but these business ty tycoons, media moguls, social media empire, you know, <laughs> kings, whatever you're, they're called. Um, they moved in, legally carved out a lip of that national forest and are building their mansions in a place that's lake access only. You can't get to it by road. But um, as for Proof Rock and Terra Nova and Camp Blood and Indian Lake, actually, they all were there in the first draft of this novel back in 2013. Jade was not there. Sure, there was a version of Sherry, Sheriff Hardy there and that was about it, really. Maybe some of the um, Terra Nova, what, what Jade calls the founders, the, these, these rich people building these mansions, some of them might have been there in some form or another. But um, yeah, it was really weird. I didn't have to work hard to come up with proof rock. I didn't have to really think. There was a point late in the game where I finally had to draw a map, and it made me feel like a fantasy writer because I don't really like, mess with <laughs> maps. You know, I'm just like, it's over there. It's over there. We ran there. But um, I had to figure out how far the post office was from this one bench and where the sheriff's office was and is the high school on the west side of town or the east side of town that kind of stuff and it was helpful it's a you know a crude ridiculous ch children's drawing of a map but it was good <laughs> enough for me to get people around the town yeah sure and and it seems like you had a lot of fun coming up with character names Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Grace and Bruce, that's probably my favorite in this one. But yeah, Jay, like Jade, she's really Jennifer Daniels, but she became JD, her initials, and then that became Jade, you know? Um, and we think, you know, Jocelyn Cates, she doesn't play a big role, but I like her name a whole lot. She she's barely in this book. She might be more later, but she's she's I like her name a lot, Jocelyn Cates. Clay Rogers sounds like Oh yeah a guy in 
a, a um an extra in friday the 13th <laughs> yeah that's a good point i forgot I, I grew up with somebody named clate so it doesn't even seem weird to me but that's not a name you hear very often i agree yeah love it <laughs> and also there's rexall you know that he yeah. was really he's probably he's probably the most fun name actually um i like him yeah and um i i love how <laughs> gory the book is how gross mm -hmm. um tell me about writing the book uh that that's slashery versus the idea of having to create a visual world in, in a movie yeah um that yeah i think um gore and like transgressive you know body interiors and all that stuff is different when you see it on a screen than you see it on a page mm -hmm. and i mean i think actually it can be stickier on the page i, I mean at the movie theater, you see it with your eyes and it kind of has direct access to whatever's inside of you, you know, because we don't question things we see with our eyes. But when you're doing gore on the page, then you also have access to access to touch and smell and taste and every uh, you have access to all the other senses mm -hmm. and you can. All, but what's most important, actually, is you can lure the reader in to be a, um, a co-creator of this gore. You know, you can like push little buttons and triggers that make them um, supply the smell themselves or something. And once you get the reader doing that, co-creating this with you, then they're in up to their necks and they can't get out. And that's right where you want them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, are, do, do you, would you like to see your works adapted to it to a- Yeah, visual? I think, yeah, my, I think my heart is a chainsaw would be fun. I mean, as a if it turned if it turns into a feature film it would have to lose a whole lot of itself of course yeah. it'd probably lo it'd lose all the yeah. slasher 101s and it'd probably have to lose a lot of characters i think if it were an eight or ten episode limited series that would give it the breathing room it needs to get the story down right are you yeah, listening netflix <laughs> <laughs> and i i love uh, we talked a little bit about um your acknowledgments but Talk to me about the the books that that inspire you. You know the the book that triggered my heart as a chainsaw for me was Jeffrey Eugenides' The Virgin Suicides. Yeah, came out what ninety ninety one or something. I read that a lot in the nineties, and then I think I read it once in the late two thousand like two thousand nine or something. And um, and I, I was always so fascinated with the um, method method of delivery in that book, which is the royal first person and saying mm -hmm. we instead of I, like a Greek chorus narrating the story. And um, I always thought, well, what if what if I took that to a genre I love, like horror? And so finally in 2013, I did that. So that first draft I was telling you about where I discovered Terra Nova and Camp Blood and Indian Lake and Proof Rock, that was told by a kid in an iron mask who speaks in that plural narrator sense, you know? And he, he's since gone. He doesn't exist anymore <laughs> as far as this story goes, this novel right. goes. But um, yeah, Jeffrey Jennings of Virgin Suicides was probably my biggest model for this book. And it really... Um, now at this point has zero similarities with virgin suicides. <laughs> <laughs> Except that the kids and the parents seem to be living in different realities. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that, to me, that's just, that's just the world. I think kids and parents always do that. I mean, mm -hmm. ki kids hide their world from their parents and their parents think that the kids aren't ready for their world. So it's just like two spheres always move in different ways. Yeah. And, um, I love Jade, um, and I assume I assume any 
hardcore slasher person will do this too that when jade is when things start heating up for jade she she can kind of see all of the different angles like uh-huh. it could be this person like in this movie uh-huh. and that subverts this trope uh tell me about um laying that all out for her you know that that red herring game is one of the core dynamics of the slasher it's it's so fun I think that's what gets the audience participating. I mean, the audience is there for the thrills, for the chills, for the laughs, all that stuff. But what keeps the audience turning the page or sitting in the theater is, am I right? Is it really her or is it him or is it them? You know? And um, yeah, so Jade really um, being hyper aware of all things slasher, I think that makes her especially like vulnerable or prone to dreaming up red herring scenarios such that she can never be certain. She's always wondering. She's always allowing the possibility that she might be wrong. And certainly then the reader is with her every step of the way. Yeah, Yeah, hopefully, yeah. And and having Mm -hmm. to question everything mm-hmm. yeah but hopefully, hopefully the, uh, my, my hope is that the reader invests and thinks oh it's this guy or it's this team or it's that person or i think it's this person that means it's probably that person you know that, <laughs> that's what you want the reader thinking absolutely um and there are even uh questions of genre that get addressed um in jade's journey like why is rape revenge fantasy not part of part of the slasher genre yeah yeah i mean as, as jade says and i think i agree with her um in rape revenge the the putative final girl is also the slasher so you've got like two entities which are supposed to be in opposition in a single body and that kind of it's a different story for sure it's it is a revenge driven story but i don't think it's a slasher anymore yeah and and then there's even like I, I hadn't really thought of Jaws as a slasher movie. And then, of, of course, it, it, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think Jade, tell you the truth, Jade is um, so hyper-focused on slashers. I bet she could probably make a case that the exorcist and Rosemary's Baby is a slasher, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at, at one point, she says Carrie is a final girl, which mm-hmm. that that kind yeah, of uh, yeah. changed the perspective <laughs> on everything yeah yeah she's got you know that there is that chapter where she's mentioning in the in the lead paragraph into it and i think this is is it probably the third slasher 101 or so maybe the second um she's listing all the final girl names and that chat that that was initially about a whole page of names because jade was just coughing up every final girl she could think of and making them be alliterative and trying to group them together into this kind and that kind but my editor told me, he said, um, look, you know, he basically told me, get off your soapbox, Steve. And, you know, let's, let's do some story here. Let's not just show <laughs> off what you know. <laughs> if we step back, can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about fandom as a coping mm-hmm. mechanism or survival mm-hmm. mechanism? You know, I think when like we're all like, if you find how to say this, I got a friend here in town, Walter Chaw. He's a film critic. We met at a party. And um, at the party, we were probably the two only people who were really into horror. And it felt like finding a cousin that I grew up with, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think it's that way. Like if you're really into um, Star Wars or slashers or romantic comedies, whatever it is, when you find someone else who shares your passion, 
then you feel less weird, you know? And then, then the two of you might find a third person and pretty soon you've got 15 or 20 people and you've got a family, you've got a community. And I think in its best um, iteration, its best version, fandom can supply that. The problem is it kind of tends to metastasize such that people start to feel ownership and they start to not allow people who don't know everything about James Bond into the group, that kind of stuff. And it, it can get dangerous really fast, but in its initial purpose or initial yeah. movements, I think it's pretty pure. Yeah, that's great. Stephen, thank you so much. Before we go, do you have any books you'd like to recommend? Yes, I'll recommend Haley Piper's Benny Rose, The Cannibal King. It's a slasher. It's a short novel. It could be a novella. I don't know. I didn't count the words while I was reading. <laughs> um, but Haley really knows the beats of the slasher. And she gives us um, some high school kids who feel 100% like real kids, like kids that we all knew or we all were in high school. And yeah, that book was just so much fun for me. And another Another slasher, how about Ivy Tholen's Taste Like Candy? It's about a group of, um, what are they called, rising seniors? Girls who are about to be seniors. Maybe that's the right word. And um, they have to go on a scavenger hunt as part of their initiation into the senior class. And that scavenger hunt is after hours in an amusement park, which is a wonderful setting for Absolutely. a lot of gory, gory, terrible things to happen. But just like Haley Piper does, um, Ivy Tholen gives us this little this this friend group kind of friend enemy group to tell you the truth but maybe all friend groups are friend enemy groups I don't know um that are so authentic to me I felt like um I was having access to a, a, a mindset that I really had never encountered before really really neat amazing thank you so much thank you Thank you for listening to the Maris Review. And check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.